Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Our guest speaker today, uh, his wife I've known uh, for many, many years, and I've known him now for many years, and we always connect at these pastors' conferences every year, and I keep thinking, I want this guy to come. When our legacy building is done, I want this couple here, and I want him to bring the word. He's just got really a lot of life in him, and we just love them so much. Uh, Pastor Jared and, and Alyssa Klingmeyer have been married over 12 years. They've got three precious kids. Uh, they also are related to my pastor, Pastor Steve Kelly. Uh, this is uh, Alyssa is his daughter. And so Pastor Steve and Sharon, uh, we always honor them. And they were here for the dedication a few months ago. But this is a joy to have. I'd like you to get up on your feet. Give a great Now Church welcome to Pastor Jared Klingmeyer as he brings the word. Come on now, church. Are you excited to be at church this morning? Who, who absolutely loves your pastors? Who loves Pastor Richard and Gail? Karen Chief, they're amazing. And um, I want you to know, uh, don't sit down yet. I'm, not, I'm still introducing myself. I'm just kidding. Go ahead, so you can sit down. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I've always, um, for the past, I guess, more than a decade now, I've, I've uh, admired you guys from afar. And, um, and your, your church is legendary. I mean, your pastors are legends. And um, to, to build something like this is not easy. And to, to all hell breaks loose when the church starts to grow. Amen. And, uh, and I'm, I'm so excited to be here. And uh, who loves Pastor Lindsay? Pastor Lindsay's a man. Oh my gosh. He's preaching next week. It'll get way better. The preaching will be way better next week. Um, but I, uh, I was, I was uh, um, thinking, I was talking to Pastor Lindsay yesterday, and um, let's see if I can get in here. Ugh. And, uh, and um, he, he told me that he, he's been here for, for 31 years. Isn't that amazing? 31 years. And, uh, and I have a, 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 a massive respect for Sons of the House. Um, and I actually, uh, I, I, I prophesy that this house um, will, there are, there are seeds that were sown in young men, and there will be a harvest of sons of this house. And they will be sent out, and they will change the world. Can I get an amen from somebody? And, uh, and who loves Tristan as well, Pastor Tristan? And, um, he plays the drums too? What does this guy not do? Gosh, don't tell my father-in-law. I don't do anything, right? Um, but, uh, but I also, also really believe even, I don't know if, uh, is Tristan here? Is he, in, uh, he's probably doing something um, in kids. Um, I'll prophesy over him. Maybe another time. Anyway, I'm kidding. Um, but I'm so, I'm so thankful to be here. My wife is here, um, Alyssa Klingmeyer. And um, I'm, this is actually the first time that we've traveled together to do ministry, which is exciting, without kids. Without kids. Amen. I, I just want to say, vacations without kids, will of God for your life. 
the will of God for your life. Amen. Um, and so uh, we, have, we have three children. Jax, um, he's probably going to be a preacher, but he really wants to be a soccer player. And, uh, and my, um, my middle um, child is Lennon. It's my only daughter. Um, she's going to be a nun and work for Jesus. And then, uh, and then my, my youngest is Zev. He's probably going to be a Navy SEAL. He's crazy. And, uh, but I'm, I'm, so, I'm so excited to be here. Are you ready for the word this morning? Um, I, I have a, a, a message today that I just really believe uh, is, is for now, church. Amen. So if you, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, and this is where we're going to camp today. 1 Peter chapter 2. Before we get started, I just want to ask a question. Do you, have you ever, who's ever had bad customer service before? You've just had, oh, you live after COVID as well? Awesome. Uh, like, bad customer service. Um, and, uh, like, you walk into an establishment, and you're like an interruption to their day, you know? And it's like you're, you're, you're experiencing this, this, this awful uh, uh, customer service that you're like, I don't even care if I end up on YouTube. I'm asking for the manager. Like, it, it is what it is. Uh, a few months ago, um, I live in the city of Norfolk, and, and, uh, and I just have this, I feel like this calling that I need to just help the customer service of my city, you know? And so, and so we went to this restaurant, and, uh, and uh, what they don't tell you about parenting if you're a young person here, is that you will never eat earlier than when you have children. And so you're like, 3.30 p.m.? That sounds like a great time to have dinner. And so we decided it was about, we picked up the kids from school. It was, a, it was a long day. We didn't want to cook. And so we went to this restaurant. We walk into the restaurant with our three kids. All three of them are under the age of eight. And so um, it's busy. And so we, we, we go into this restaurant. It's 5 o'clock. Nobody's there. Uh, and we're standing at the front. Usually a hostess goes, hi, how many? But we just stood there for not one minute, not two minutes, but three minutes, turned into four. And then finally, uh, the kids are, are already jumping off the wall. So I walk up to the bartender. I'm like, hey, man, is there, uh, are we, like, do we just sit? And he's like, the server hasn't come by and sat. And I was like, no. He's like, oh, my gosh. He goes in the back. And he goes, why don't you just, just take a seat? And I'll, I'll uh, send the server over. And I said, okay, cool. And so um, we're sitting there. And then. Five minutes goes by, 10 minutes goes by. We set up all of, all of our kids, you know, um, and, uh, and so I go back up to the bartender. I'm like, hey, man, like our server still hasn't come. And he's like, are you kidding me? So he goes in the back, and all of a sudden, the door flings open, and it's this angry young lady, you know, um, with blue and pink hair. I was just, 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 that's what it is. And she came out, and it was, like, fuming, and she walks up to her our table, and she goes, what do you want? You know? You know? And I was, I was okay. Um, and so I try all the dad jokes. I'm like, we'll have five waters on the rocks, you know, like stupid things like that. And then, and no laughs. And I said, well, we're ready to order too. We want to make sure that the kids get to eat. And she's like, well, I'm not ready to take your order yet. And she walks back. And I know. Uh, Five minutes goes by, ten minutes goes by. We go back to the bartender. It's like, dude, I don't know what to say. And, and it was just this, this really awful experience. And so, so after two hours in this establishment, my kids have watched every Blippy episode. They've watched For a Christian Superbook, right, or, or The Chosen. They've watched all The Chosen. And, uh, and so we're, 
we're like, we're, they're, they're bouncing off the walls, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I have to say something. I'm, I'm gonna, and, and Alyssa's like taking off her earrings. She's about to go <laughs> fight this lady. And I'm like, all right, all right, I'm, I'm gonna handle this. And so, and so I go, and I'm waiting. And, um, and I'm waiting for her to come back out, and there's a guy that's kind of like in my peripheral who's standing right here, and, and I'm like, he's probably gonna yell at her too. We're gonna do this together. So you know what, there's witnesses, so I'm gonna be a little kinder, and then he's gonna get her, you know? And so she comes out, and I said, listen, I just, I just want our check. Like, the food never came, it was just awful. And, uh, and I said, I just, I just want the check. Please just get the check, and we're gonna, we're gonna head out. And I was, I was nice, I behaved. I really was gonna like, just, ah, you know? So, um, because there was a witness, I didn't. And so she walks away, and I thought that he was gonna talk to her too, but he says, actually, you know, sir, I wanted to talk to you. And he goes, um, I don't know if you know me, but I've been coming to your church for the past three weeks. Oh, has that ever happened to you before? <laughs> and he goes, we're a Navy couple. We've been, it's, it's this, your church has changed our lives, and we just, we had to come, come by and say thank you. And I went, oh, brother, yes, yes, the Lord, the Holy Spirit is here. We love you. God bless you. <laughs> thank God I behaved, right? would have left the church <laughs> or at least recorded it right now now listen I, I understand that the service industry has has taken a hit over the years um and we have to have a little grace for businesses amen but if you've ever experienced bad customer service you can at least empathize as to why we would be about to lose our minds because we live in a, in a in a capitalist society that says if i pay for something i deserve what i paid for why because we are consumers. That's what we are. And if the service is bad, we vote with our dollars. In fact, if, if the experience is awful, I can now tell the whole world how awful my experience was. Now, now be honest, whether here or online, be honest. Who has ever left a Yelp review before? Anyone ever leave a Yelp review before or a Google review, right? There's people in here that have. Better yet, every head bow, every eye closed. Who has ever <laughs> left a bad review before? Yelp review, all of that, right? Look around, right? These are they're judges, you know. <laughs> Come on, tell the truth, shame the devil. If you're online, just write that business. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Please don't do that. What? Why? Why would we do that? Because we're consumers. We're consumers. And, and that, this type of thinking is so ingrained in us that it's nearly impossible to escape our daily thinking and habits. We are so immersed in beneficial transactional living that we are constantly and maybe even unconsciously asking ourselves questions to see if we will get something out of an experience. Consumerism, if we're not careful, can actually consume us. And this is my conviction today. To be a consumer in the marketplace is not a sin. To be, to be a consumer in the house of God is. And I find it so fitting that you're in a series called An Enemy Called Average. Because you want to be a mediocre Christian, approach the house of God as a consumer. In, in fact, Jesus was not cool with humanity treating the temple like a marketplace. And I don't think it's, it's too much of a leap to believe that, that Christians who habitually practice consumerism can maybe, just maybe, bring that same posture into the church of Jesus Christ. And in turn, we create clients like an audience of fans rather than followers of Jesus. And when I come to church, I'm not meant to be a consumer. But then what am I meant to be? I want to answer that question today. You ready? 
Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. If you're online, put your favorite emoji. Peter tells us in his first letter to, to the church in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1, he says this. He says, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all of deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you've tasted that the, uh, of the Lord's kindness, you are coming to Christ, who is, living, who is a living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Oh, I love that. What's more is that you are his holy priest. Come on, someone say holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scripture says, I am placing a, a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust in him recognize the honor that God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone, verse 8. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for him. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. You are royal priests. A holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What a passage. Let's pray. Well, Father, we love you. We worship you. And God, I pray for every single person, either watching online or in the room, that Holy Spirit, your voice is the loudest. God, get me out of the way so that you can get in the way. Do what only you can do, and that is put together the broken pieces of people's lives. God, I pray above all else, God, that if people don't know you, God, they'll leave knowing you. If they already know you, God, they'll leave knowing you more. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. It's about to go down. If you're taking notes, right next to that title, an enemy called Average, I want you to write the priesthood. Or for Gen Z, hi, Mom, I'm a priest. In this letter to the early church, Peter makes a transformative statement. He, he first tells them that what separates them from the world, and he uses specific language. He says, you are a chosen generation, a distinct group from the rest of culture, unified by what? The Holy Spirit. He's actually quoting from the prophet Isaiah, and, and this is what those reading the letter 2,000 years ago would have understood, it, is that just as the nation of Israel had been God's chosen people, all Christians have now become God's people. Not by physical birth into the Jewish race, but by spiritual rebirth into God's family through Jesus Christ. This was a big deal for Peter to proclaim as a good Jewish boy. And he goes on saying, you're not just a chosen people, but you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are his holy priests. But what does that even mean? Like, are you saying we're, we're all Catholic now and we get to wear black suits and white collars and hear people's deepest, darkest secrets in a wooden phone booth? No, that's not what I'm saying. In the Old Testament, ordinary people could not approach God directly. Instead, a consecrated priest would act as a mediator between God and humanity. But then Jesus died on the cross and it changed everything. The Bible describes the veil being torn. 
And now we can come directly into God's presence as the church. We as believers now join in the priestly work of reconciling God and people. In other words, we're not just a new building on South Pine Avenue where we check in our kids, sing songs for 15 minutes, hear an encouraging TED Talk, and we go home. We're actually active participants in worship. Better yet, we're, we're priests. Not just me. All of us are priests. Now, there are different gifts. I have to preface this. There are different gifts and offices in the church. Pastor Gail and Pastor Richard hold the office of senior pastors of Now Church. So you can't start moving your stuff in tomorrow, right? No, I'm a priest. Right? It's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to use the kitchen. No, 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 you can't. You can't do that. I said all of that up to say this. Our constant battle as Christians navigating the Western world is to fight the natural inclination to view the church not as a consumer but a, but a priest. But what the heck do priests do? What are, we, what are we supposed to do? That's what I want to answer today. You ready? Number one is this. What do priests do? Priests minister to the Lord. Priests minister to the Lord. I find it interesting culturally that as the church, the only term we found fitting to call our church experience is a service. I, I, don't, I don't mind the term, but the real question is, who is the service for? The Lord, without a doubt, ministers to us. Can I get an amen? amen? But did you know you also minister to the Lord? In ancient Israel, ministering to the Lord was the role God assigned exclusively to the tribe of Levi. And Deuteronomy 10.8 says, At the time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister, and to pronounce blessings in his name, as they still do today. That, that verb, to minister, it actually it simply translated to serve. That's what it means, to serve. Only the Levites were called by God to perform these rituals in the Old Testament. But Peter says the game has changed with Jesus. So we're no longer offering physical sacrifices, but spiritual ones. 1 Peter 2.5 says, And you are living stones that God is building into his, what, his spiritual temple. What's more is you are holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. So what are these spiritual sacrifices? I've got five. This is the first one. A spiritual sacrifice that we offer up to God is simple. It's we offer our praise and worship. We offer our praise. Hebrews 13, 15, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise from the fruit of our lips and openly profess his name. So when we worship, like when Pastor Lindsay leads, it's not, it's not by accident. It's on purpose. Why? Because we're priests. We are, we are offering our worship up to God. And everyone right now has an opinion on what the church should and shouldn't do, right, in, in the times that we live in. But according to Scripture, the primary mission as the church is to worship God. Above all else, we worship God. But this is a kicker. As priests, we don't worship God only for us. We worship God because he's God. And this is when the consumer in us is like that movie Aliens, like, like, uh, and it comes out and we think to her, we say things like, like, you know, the worship was a little too loud this morning. (laughs) And it's just a little loud. I'm going to say something. I'm going to write an email, right? Like, I I usually love the song choices, but I just, I'm a little disappointed they didn't play Reckless Love this morning, you know? (laughs) Why doesn't Pastor Lindsay sing more Maverick City? I just, (laughs) But when did the worship become about me? And the consumer in us, like, it rears its ugly head. But when you talk in here, like, and you walk in here and you serve in here, you're a priest. 
You don't care who's singing or what songs are we playing on K-Love's Top 40 because we're here to minister to the Lord. When we have this revelation, it actually changes our experience for the better. See, the last 30 years, we've been taught that, that worship is about worshiping God for my breakthrough. And I, and I believe in breakthrough, amen? But worship is about worshiping God because he's God. Oh, our breakthrough already happened when Jesus died on the cross to conquer the sin that so entangled us so we could live in freedom both on earth and in, in, in heaven. Amen. And listen, I, I believe in breakthrough. I believe that God cares about the most minute details of our lives, but I also believe that we are called to worship him even if we never see our breakthrough on this side of eternity. You know, there, there's, a, there's a passage um, in Acts chapter 16. It's the most quoted passage on worship. It's Paul and Silas. I love this story. And if you don't know the story, I'll give you a brief synopsis. Paul and Silas, they're traveling, they're going to pray, and there's this demon-possessed fortune teller girl who's following them, and she's announcing them wherever they go, here the men of God are. She's like being really annoying. Read, read, go read Acts chapter 16, like after you leave church. It's, the, it's hilarious. Paul did not heal her because he wanted to. She was annoying him. It's, it's like, and Luke accounts for this, and he, he lets us know that, like, no, Paul was annoyed. He, he wasn't like, I'm going to heal you. No, he's like, oh, my gosh, this girl again. For days, she would follow them around. And so finally, he goes, in Jesus' name, come out. And this demon leaves her. And because she couldn't manipulate people about their future anymore, she's a fortune teller, her owners got really upset. So they threw Paul and Silas in prison, and uh, they beat them and flogged them to the inch of their lives. It wasn't just like a, it was like they were, they were on their way to death. And they, they shackled them in the inner parts of the cell. And it says about midnight, they began to worship. And this crazy thing happened. This earthquake happens. Their chains break. And, and when we preach about this often, I believe that the message is true when we preach about this. But it's like, you need to worship. And God's on the, in, in, in the midst of it all. And, and we should worship. But sometimes we, we, we've changed it to we should worship for our breakthrough. And that's not actually, like, this is a question that I was reading the story one day, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, do you think they were worshiping God because they knew they, like, he was going to give them a breakthrough, or because they knew they were going to die and they wanted to worship God anyway? See, we know that they were going to have a breakthrough. They did not know they were going to have a breakthrough. In fact, their chains broke, but they never left the prison. They had court in the morning. And the magistrate was like, yeah, yeah, get rid of them, please, get, get them out of here. See, I reckon this is a beautiful example of worshiping even in spite of what could have been the end of their ministry in their lives. So this is the thing. When we walk into this place to worship, our foundation cannot be, God, I worship you for what you can do for me. Oh, no. Our foundation now, church, is, God, I worship you because you are God. Amen. Amen. Why? Because we're not consumers, we're priests. Number two is this. What's another spiritual sacrifice? We offer our acts of love and generosity. Philippians 4.16 says, even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. This is Paul speaking to the church in Philippi. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all that I need and more, and I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me. With Epaphroditus, they are sweet-smelling sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God. That's how 
Paul describes the generosity of the church as, as sweet-smelling sacrifices. And when we give and when we are generous for the work of the Lord, God loves it. When we're kind to our neighbors and they're not kind, it moves the heart of God. When we look beyond ourselves and provide for someone who is in need, it is a spiritual sacrifice unto the Lord. You, you ever been so broke, like you're not even Pentecostal, but you'll speak in tongues when that's card swipes? And you're just like, oh, it's like, please, Lord, don't decline. You know, I've been there. When I was in, in Bible college, I had no money. I was trying to get married, and I was like, just so broke. Um, I could barely make rent. I, I worked part-time delivering magazines, and I was making like $9 an hour. And I had no idea how I was going to pay for Bible college. And I remember how difficult it was in that moment to bring my tithe. I've been tithing since I was 17 years old. Just had that revelation. You know, the, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver, but he loves the reluctant ones too. <laughs> and uh, no matter how hard it was for me, it was a no-brainer. And every time, God honored that sacrifice. And I remember believing to, to pay for Bible college, and I, and I get a call from my aunt. And I haven't heard from her in a while. And, and she, she loves God and was an instrumental uh, a part of getting our family plugged into church many years ago. And we, we had a family reunion some years back. And my uncle at the time, I wasn't really close with him. And he was uh, older in years. And, and he asked me what I wanted to do with my life after I graduated high school. And I had just gotten saved at 17. And I was like, I want to be a pastor. And he looked at me in shock. And he was like, you want to be a pastor? And I was like, yes, sir. I, I really feel like that's my calling. And he says, if you, if you go to seminary, I'll help you pay for it. So fast forward five years later, I'd totally forgotten that conversation, and my uncle um, had gotten really sick, and um, he was diagnosed with, with, uh, with dementia and, and uh, Alzheimer's, and he begins to decline rapidly. And there was no way he was going to fulfill that promise with this illness, and to be honest with you, I completely forgot about it. I forgot he made that promise. And then I get a call from his wife, my aunt, and she says, Jared, your mom told me that you're going to Bible college, and, and, and I said, yes, you know, Aunt Vicki, I am. And she says, well, well how are you going to pay for it? And I said, I'm going to work my tail off in the summer and save up, and I'm, I'm just really trusting God. And she said, well, honey, I'm your answer to prayer. She said, I remember the conversation you had with your uncle. What you didn't know was that I was listening in the kitchen, and I know that he and God would want me to keep this promise that he made. Think how powerful that is. She, he had no recollection because of his illness, yet she was in the kitchen listening, and she felt the Holy Spirit. Once she found out I was going to seminary, she was like, oh, no, no, I'm going to make this come true. I learned something that day. You will never come in second by putting God first. Generosity begets generosity. The Bible doesn't just describe our generosity simply as an act of kindness, but of worship. A fragrance that pleases God. Paul was stoked to receive the gift and the money from the church, but he was overjoyed for the reward that they would experience in heaven. Amen? Third thought is this. We offer our gifts used to glorify him. We offer our gifts. All of us are gifted in here to do something, right? Some of you are gifted to... Um, to 
play instruments. Some of you are gifted to sing. Um, some of you are gifted to dance, like Tristan. Um, some of you... <laughs> I didn't know if that joke was going to settle or not. It did. It's so great. We should start like a son-in-law ministry, you know, where we just go around and talk about our woes. Um, you know, some are, some are gifted athletically and some in business and the marketplace. Some don't pass out when they see blood. Those are called nurses and doctors. But what's amazing about the God that we serve is he gives these gifts freely. He will even allow us to use them for evil. But when we use them to lift up the name of Jesus, the reward is no longer carnal, but eternal. So I want to encourage you, use your gifts for the Lord. Number four is this, we offer our bodies as spiritual sacrifices. Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is what? Your spiritual worship. When we realize that not just our spirit, but our bodies matter to God, it changes the way that we worship. A consumer says, this is my body. I can do whatever I want with it. A priest says, God, this is your body. Therefore, I honor you with it as a spiritual sacrifice. Amen? Amen. Number five is this, the last one. We offer and we surrender our will. Our will. This is the toughest spiritual sacrifice. Just as Jesus surrendered his will to the Father, so do we. The the surrendering of our will is a never-ending battle. It confronts the consumer in us. Our pride constantly wants to rule, and it's this beautiful act of worship when we are willingly crucifying ourselves and embrace the will of God for our lives. Why? Because we are priests. We're priests. And these are my spiritual sacrifices. Amen? The second thought is this. What do priests do? Priests minister to others. They minister to others. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips that profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others for, the, for which, with which such sacrifices God is pleased. You know how we minister to others? We serve. We serve. There's, there's a spiritual war against servanthood in our culture right now. The, the, the very thought is being attacked in our world today because the devil knows that what serving does to the soul. He knows that when we serve, we become more like Jesus. You know, it's, uh, what's funny is when I got saved at 17, I did not know anything about the Bible. I couldn't preach. I couldn't teach. I couldn't debate. I had no apologetics. Nothing. But you know what I could do? Serve in the parking lot. In fact, I went up to my pastor, and I was like, oh. I said, uh, you know, my youth pastor was like, hey, hey, I'll do anything. I, I want to do what you do. And he's like, great, awesome. There's a parking lot team, and they need a leader. Could you do that? And I was like, oh, okay. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't debate you theologically, but I could wear, you know, like a, a, a vest, and I could wand people into parking spots like nobody else. You know, and I would dance them in, you know. People would laugh. Like, I, it was like the joy. Like, I led the parking lot team for three years. 
from, from 17 to 20. And this is when we were building the, the building in 2008 where we had seven to a thousand services. I think we had nine services during the weekend. And this is me, every service. Like just wanding people in. The parking lot team changed my life. It changed my life because serving others in the house of God transformed me from a consumer to a priest. And when we minister to the Lord, the Lord ministers to us. Why? So we can in turn minister to others. And here's a powerful question now, church. Holy priest, who are you ministering to? Who are you ministering to? If we can't answer that question, maybe we have allowed consumerism to consume us. Amen? The band can come on up. This is the, 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 the third point, final point that I'm done. I'm going to pray for people. Is priests are living stones that build the church of Jesus Christ. You're not a consumer. You're a priest. Verse 5, it says, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. You know, as pastors, we, we never got in this game to build buildings. Did you know that? I, there's not a Bible college class to be a foreman. When we were building our, our, our building in Norfolk and in Virginia Beach and, and on Seaboard Road, and well, it's just, we're not building them just to build buildings. We're building them for people. And, and we're not building a physical building just to build it. We're building a spiritual one. That when people walk into this place, they leave different. And they have, the Holy Spirit just rocks their world. That's why we build buildings. This is why I love the imagery that, that Peter is painting as he writes living stones. Each stone each brick, this building, like each, think about the, the bricks in this building that make this building. It, it, it plays a huge part in holding up the structure of the building. And there are bricks at the bottom, and there are bricks that are elevated to the top. There's bricks that nobody sees, they're painted over. Each brick is so vital. Why? Because every joint supplies. And this is my conviction today, that if we approach our relationship with God and his church as a, cons- as a consumer rather than priests, our faith will not survive the coming age. And we're seeing it in our culture today, people burning their religion to the ground, but that will not be us. Can I get an amen? amen. That will not be us. That will not be our children. It will not be our children's children. We are building a, a spiritual temple that will last. Amen. You're a priest. But this is the thing. As a priest, I don't offer a sacrifice of praise for the forgiveness of my sins. I offer a sacrifice of praise from the forgiveness of my sins. You receive the word today. Is that okay? There's one thing I want to do before I end the service and the pastor comes, but I want to pray for people. Because this is the thing about the Holy Spirit. He'll, he'll set you up. Whether you're, you're here or you're online. 
Like there's a reason why your eyes are in the room. And I think it's for this reason. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you are in this place and you do not know Jesus, I want to pray with you and for you. Like think about your journey in life. What in the world brought you into the four walls of the church? Think about your, what had to go right for you to get here. <laughs> and yet you're sitting here for such a time as this. And I think it's for this very moment. You're saying, Pastor, pray for me. I'm away from God. I don't know Jesus. Or maybe you're in the other category. You've walked away from God and you know, man, I, I'm, I'm backslidden. I want to encourage you to slide right back to Jesus. Because he is for you. He is not against you. What I love about the presence of God is that every time I'm away from it and I come back into the presence of God, I'm like, God, I'm so sorry I've been away from you. It's never like, well, I've been waiting for you. It's always like, son, I'm so glad you're here. I've got so much to tell you. The Bible paints a picture of of God as this father on the porch waiting for his son to come home. And he's not running away from us. He's running to us. And if that's you and you're saying, Pastor, I need to get right with Jesus this morning, I want to pray with you and for you. And in the count of three, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to get you to come to the front of that. I just want to know who to include in this prayer. If that's you, the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Include me in that prayer. The count of three. One, two, three. Come on, lift it. Beautiful. 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 I see those hands. Awesome. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes. I see those hands. Beautiful. Is there anyone else? Come on, lift it high enough and long enough for me to see. Beautiful, sweetheart. I see that hand. Awesome, awesome. Well, just with that atmosphere of faith, I want you to repeat a prayer after, after me. And I promise you it's not the words that God cares about more than he cares about the heart behind them. We'll all say it to, together. Say, today, Lord Jesus. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, today, Lord Jesus. I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. You died for me. And you rose again to give me a future. To give me a hope. I am now a Christian. I am now set free. And from this day forward, I will follow you. Not as a consumer, but a priest. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, can we give God a huge shout of praise? Come on, we're not going to golf clap salvation. Can we give God a huge shout of praise? Amen. And I want to encourage you, if you lifted your hand or you know you should have, there's, there's two things that I want you to do. Number one is keep showing up to church. You just have to keep showing up. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, keep showing up. You just keep showing up. The, the one place the enemy will never be able to overcome is this spiritual temple, is the house of God. He wants, he don't want you to come. Amen. The second thing is you need to get connected. Those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. There's a, there's a, a, a class happening in the 11 a.m. It's called Lift Off, Change Your Life. Amen. I love you, church. Thank you so much for having me. Love you. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video. 
event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you 